With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Stay tuned. Deliverance is next. Parental discretion is advised. Live worldwide. Deliverance with your host, Jay Bartlett. For the next half hour, Jay will be exploring the unknown, the strange, the supernatural. Ready or not, you're about to experience Deliverance. synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. My friends, this occurred in a public environment. This occurred in a synagogue among many people. Jesus casting out an evil spirit. Out of a man. Jesus generally dealt with demons in public. It's unfortunate, though, in the Western church, by and large, even those churches, and there's very few churches that do practice deliverance, but the very few that do, they often relegate the ministry of deliverance to the back room of the church. It's not done publicly. But as you see, as you read throughout the Holy Scriptures from the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, the the book of Acts, that chronicles the, the miraculous ministry of the early church, you'll see that the ministry of deliverance was done in public. That's right, in public. Another example I shared What happened in that synagogue in Mark chapter 1? But if you look down at the very end of that chapter, Mark chapter 1, the Gospel of Mark, it's recorded that in verse 32, that evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many 
demons. He also drove out many demons. And where did he drive the demons out? At that door where the whole town had gathered. That is public deliverance. But there's a, but that's a it's a rarity. Why is that? There's many reasons why, but it should not be so. The church ought to practice public deliverance. And tonight, we're going to discuss the subject of public deliverance on tonight's edition of Deliverance. I'm Jay Bartland. I'll be here for the next half hour exploring the unknown, the strange, and the supernatural. Ready or not, you're about to experience deliverance. Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with a story of real-life Jesus Freak from The Voice of the Martyrs. Yoon was an eager and curious teenager in China in the 1950s. When he heard about a book that told how to get to heaven, Yoon walked 35 miles to read it. As a new believer, he walked from village to village sharing the gospel. When the police tried to arrest him, Yoon recalled reading in 1 Samuel 21 that David had once pretended to be crazy to escape his enemies. So Yoon did the same thing, making such a spectacle that the police laughed and let him go. Yoon would later be arrested and tortured for his faith, but he would always remain crazy for Jesus. For more from the Voice of the Martyrs, go online to persecution.com. Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with news of another real-life Jesus freak. It's 2nd century Rome. Justin Martyr is a respected pagan philosopher. But seeing Christians willingly die for their faith consumes him with curiosity. So he reads the scriptures and converts. He even opens a school of Christian philosophy in Rome. As his last act, Justin offers his martyrdom as a witness for Christ, saying, For though we are beheaded and crucified, we do not forsake the confession of our faith. But the more things of this kind which happen to us, the more are there others who become believers through the name of Jesus. For more on the Voice of the Martyrs, go online to persecution.com. in the subject of public deliverance. Is there a need for public deliverance? What's the benefits of casting demons out in public, performing public exorcisms? That's tonight's subject that we'll be discussing. I, I'm currently in Dallas resting with my family after more than four weeks, four weeks plus of being on the road, visiting more than five continents, 
and traveling tens of thousands of miles, circling the globe for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. That's the reason why I've not been able to behind to be, be able to behind uh, this mic to uh, speak with you, my friends, around the world on this deliverance radio presentation. But it's great to be back. Uh, it was an exciting trip, an exciting journey for sure. And as I recall, all the ministry that that took place. I just stand in awe of God's immense love for you, for you and I and of his holy power to deliver. And I'll be honest, traveling the globe affords some beautiful opportunities to see some amazing, astounding sights. From having breakfast with the crocodiles in Africa to waking up one morning and, and actually seeing kangaroos bouncing around in the backyard in Australia to Viewing some of the majestic castles in Europe, I I thoroughly enjoyed the sights. But I'll be honest, my heart is for souls. It's for the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. My heart is for souls. And experiencing redemption will do that. It will sort of refocus one's life to things that are eternal, such as capturing souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. And on this most recent journey around the world, I I was able to capture souls by God's grace on a private and on a public platform for meeting individuals privately in Europe, ministering in the Middle East, and in China, to meeting large groups of people in public meetings such as Southeast Africa, Latin America, and in Australia. My My aim was to see souls redeemed healed, and liberated by the power of God. And God granted the desires of my heart in more than 20,000. Actually, to be specific, I think it was more than 20, even 22,000 were reached with the fullness of the gospel, the message of salvation, healing, and deliverance. And most of these people were reached in a public manner. Yes, of course, you look at the, and I have the scriptures in my left hand right now. If you, if you look at the pages of scripture, of course Jesus ministered privately to individuals. That's a given. He ministered to families and and he met with individuals privately. But he, when he when it came to the ministry of healing and deliverance, as, as recorded in scripture, Jesus generally dealt with demons in a public manner. And I believe we we ought to follow his. Example, and I re, you may recall that passage from the Gospel of Mark that I referred to in Chapter One of the Gospel of Mark prior to the commercial break, where it was it's recorded that that at evening after sunset the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed the whole town. That's what the Scripture says. The whole town gathered at the door. Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons that's public deliverance and you see Jesus dealing with demons in the synagogue in the open air in public settings he often dealt with demons by delivering souls from Satan's captivity and the early church continued this practice of dealing with demons in public and this is seen 
in the ministry of evangelist Philip in Acts chapter 8. Allow me to, this is one of my favorite chapters. It always has been. When I gave my life to Jesus Christ as a young teenager many, many years ago, I was always drawn to the 8th chapter of Acts. Now, obviously, I, I feel a very strong calling and gifting in, in the area of, of as, uh, as an evangelist. So obviously reading about the evangelist Philip caught my interest. But I was always intrigued by what occurred there in Samaria. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there, the Messiah there. Acts 8, verse 6. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. When the crowds heard Philip, crowds, it's a public event, and saw all the miraculous signs he did. They all paid close attention to what he had said. In verse 7, with shrieks, evil spirits came out of many. The early church continued the practice of dealing with demons in public. And that's proven here in Acts chapter 8. The kingdom of God ought to be proclaimed in the public marketplace. But it's not seen. Why is that? Again, there's many, many reasons. I, I think one reason, one very powerful reason why many are not promoting or practicing the ministry of deliverance in public is is fear. Is fear, especially in the Western nations of the world, in Canada, in Europe, in Australia, in Japan, Singapore, in the United States. The reason why churches are not casting demons out in public is because of the church leadership's fear of demons. Now, they're not going to come out and admit that. They'll put the front up. It's all smoke and mirrors, though. Deep down, these people, I meet with the pastors. I meet with the elders. I know the ministers. They're operating in fear. They're fearful. Now, the fear goes on to mo on multiple levels. There's, there's a fear of the demons. Deep down, they don't truly understand the authority that they have in Jesus Christ over the evil one. So there's an element of fear. There's also an element of fear when it comes to maybe offending some people in the church, maybe perhaps some of the big supporters, the big donors that give the funds to provide their salary, to provide the programs within the church. And they're not so willing to, to rock that boat, my friends. They're not wanting to to cause, stir up too many things. They don't want to cause too many waves, stir up the waves there in the church because at that point, the big donor, this big supporter, may withdraw their support. 
withdraw their donations, thus affecting their salary or perhaps even the various programs that are within the church. So, as a result of that fear, there are masses, millions upon millions of saints, brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ that continue to suffer silently, continue to suffer with demons, continue to suffer with various elements of demonic bondage. Because they're not, sh- they're not shown that there's victory. They're not, they're not shown that there's a means of freedom. They're not shown that they can be free from these evil spirits. They can be liberated by the power of Jesus Christ. Many of these dear saints have been told that from the pulpit, from the various Bible study groups, from literature that's been handed out to the churches, that the Christians cannot have demons. Thus, there's great condemnation they place upon their own lives, wondering if they're truly saved, if they've been truly been born again, redeemed by the Spirit of the living God. For they recognize there's some demonic element operating in their life, but they're having a hard time coming to the grips with the fact that they, with the doctrinal issues involved that that are promoted by the church, that a Christian cannot have demons. So there's great confusion, condemnation, misunderstanding, misinformation, disinformation, and outright fabrication on this issue. But the fact is we see throughout Scripture believers can come under great satanic attack and be influenced and controlled by demons. Thus the need for public deliverance because there's many in the church Just as Jesus in the synagogue, just as Jesus in the synagogue in Mark chapter 1 cast out a demon out of a man, in the synagogue there are many demons within the church. That's right. But you're saying, well, well, show me. Show me, Jay, where it's it's recorded that... that, uh, that believers can have evil spirits. There's many various scriptural references I can refer to. But have you ever thought about the whole issue of children having evil spirits? Now, Jesus said the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, referring to children. Now, you, as a saved person, you belong to the kingdom of God. Well, children belong to the children, uh, kingdom of God. In fact, I would dare to say the children are more pure than you. You've been polluted. You've been contaminating your soul and body. Thus, there is a there is a uh, there is a difference. Children are not contaminated like you and I are. But yet, children can have demons. It's recorded that children had. Experience demonic attack. Have you ever read Mark chapter 9, for example? Mark chapter 9. I'm going to turn to it. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground, it foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. 
Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how, sh- how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me, Jesus said. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father. Again, the boy's father. How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you could do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute mute spirit, he said, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up to his feet, and he stood up. Well, as, as recorded. A boy had an evil spirit. A boy. So children can have evil spirits. And children belong to the kingdom of God. So yes, those who belong to the kingdom of God can have spirits. It's it's, it's recorded in Mark chapter 9. There was a violent spirit within somebody who was part of the kingdom of God. Now, I don't think any of us would debate about the fact that that Peter, the Apostle Peter, was a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, yet he was influenced by Satan. It's recorded in Mark chapter 16. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples, verse 21, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. In verse 22, Peter took him aside, took Jesus aside, and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Verse 23, and this is the, this is the verse I want you to look at. Jesus turned and, and, and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Peter was influenced by Satan. Jesus said so. Jesus, looking at Peter, said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus understood that Satan had influenced Peter to say those words that were contrary to the will of God in regards to the redemptive mission that Jesus was to accomplish here on earth. So yes, believers, followers of Christ can have Demons and being influenced by Satan and the such need freedom, need liberated, need to be liberated, need to experience deliverance. That's why there's a need for public deliverance. It needs to be spoken. It needs to be – this whole subject needs to be taught on. It needs to be exposed to the church at large, but it's not. And again, there's many reasons, but one reason, a primary reason is because of fear. People are fearful in leadership. And that's very, very sad and unfortunate. doesn't have to be the case. Thank God for those dear 
prophets, pastors, teachers, apostles, evangelists that have opened the doors of of their individual churches to the ministry of deliverance. And as such, they've experienced extraordinary miracles, extraordinary signs and wonders that have glorified Jesus Christ and furthermore have seen a tremendous harvest of freed souls. And that's and that's what Jesus wants. He wants people to be free. Yes, we ought to minister privately to those in dire need, but there's something quite special when it's done in public. I practice public deliverance, so I know there's something unique that happens. Something quite special when it's done in public. And there's ten major things that we need to look at on the subject of public deliverance. Yes, we ought to minister. I mean, I I, I get that. Of course. Minister to your family members. Minister to those in homes and with your neighbors and friends and loved ones, to those in need. But there's something quite special when it's done in public. And there's ten Ten truths in regards to public deliverance that I want to talk about tonight that you need to be aware of. And we're going to go through them one by one. Number one, there is a uniqueness of spiritual power when the body of Christ on a corporate level exerts her authority to free souls from satanic bondage. I mean, that's a fact. I can't begin to tell you how many times. Where a, a, uh, I met with somebody during a public meeting, and then afterwards I had to meet with somebody on a private level, and they they had revealed and shared that there there was something missing in the private meeting that that was present in the public. Well, there's spiritual power. There's a uniqueness of spiritual power when the body of Christ, on a corporate level, exerts their authority to free souls from Satan's bondage. I mean, just think about it. There's power in numbers. Jesus once said, when two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there in the midst of them. There is power within the body. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I've seen this over and over again on multiple continents of the world. There is a uniqueness of spiritual power when the body of Christ, on a corporate level, exerts her authority to free souls in Jesus' name. Number two, public deliverances is a unifying, unifying factor as it forces – I mean, I mean it, it, it really forces the church, the body of Christ, as a collective whole to unify for a common cause and good, and that is to set the captives free. So that's another good reason why we should conduct public deliverances. It's a un, unifying factor. It brings, brings the church together. Because they realized the war. They realized the conflict they were in the midst of. And, and what, what better way to get, come together than to help somebody? For, it's for a common cause, which is the, the ministry of Jesus, and for a common good. That is to free a precious soul that may be experiencing demonic torment. We could set them free in the name of Jesus. Number three, take the ministry 
to the public allows for the watching world to experience the miraculous with their senses. Think about it. When you perform public deliverances, public exorcisms, it automatically showcases the power of God and allows the watching world to experience the miraculous, to experience the supernatural. And that's a good thing, my friends. This is good, as the world needs to experience our Lord. Signs and wonders confirm the preaching of the word. In Mark 16, 20, it's recorded, Then the disciples went out, preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. The Lord worked with them and confirmed. His word by the signs and wonders. The watching world is in desperate, desperate need to experience the supernatural. They need to know that God is real. That God still performs miracles. Now, sure, there'll be those who mock. Sure, there'll be those who, who deny, who reject, outright reject, ridicule, slander. We understand that. The body of Christ, the remnant understands. But the fact is, this is the means by which the Lord confirms his word, is through the signs and wonders that accompany the preaching of the word. So that's why we need to conduct public deliverance. It's a means to confirm the preaching of God's word. Oh, there's so much more that I want to talk about tonight on the subject of public deliverance. So don't go anywhere. I'll be back after this brief intermission. Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with another story of a Jesus freak from the Voice of the Martyrs. In some countries, authorities attack and arrest Christians in the cover of night. Not so in Somalia. On January 5, Asha Mberwa, a young wife and mother, fearing for the safety of her family, was on the phone making arrangements to flee the Mogadishu area. Al-Shabaab extremists were monitoring that call and decided to make an example of Asha. The next day, she was arrested. The day after that, Muslim extremists took Asha into the street, waited for a crowd of witnesses to gather, and tragically cut her throat. For the latest on Somalia from the Voice of the Martyrs, go online to persecution.com. What's up? This is Michael Tate with a thank you to a small church in a faraway place as they demonstrate what it means to be a Jesus freak. It's 1991, Canoe, Peru. Terrorists burned down their church and 17 houses, all belonging to Christians. Their pastor is murdered, yet the very next night, 30 of these believers gather fearlessly in the muddy street to sing praise songs, worship the one true God, and even pray for their persecutors. They live by the words of Paul in Philippians 127. 
conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Are you a Jesus freak? Go online to persecution.com. about the subject of public deliverance, the necessity to conducting public exorcisms to deal with demons on a public platform. We've already explained three good reasons why this should be. The fourth reason is a powerful reason. One way Jesus demonstrates his supremacy over the demonic is through the public display of his power. Obviously, this could be seen in public deliverance meetings and public exorcisms as demons are defeated by their own confessions when they declare that Jesus is indeed Lord. In Colossians 2, 15, it's recorded, the Apostle Paul writes, And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle. Who made a public spectacle? Jesus did. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He made a public spectacle. That's what the word says, my friends. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. He made, Jesus made a public spectacle of them. It's just a a means by, by which the body of Christ can demonstrate to the watcher world, to the to those who are members of the body, reminding, encouraging the body that we are indeed on the winning side. Jesus demonstrates his supremacy over the demonic through the public display of his power. You see that over and over again under the Old Covenant, and, of course, under the New Covenant. Number five, public deliverance meetings afford those in attendance to be free from demonic powers. Now, that's a that's a good reason, right? I mean, think about it. People are bound by demons. I mean, I've already demonstrated that through the use of Scripture, that believers can have demons and be influenced and controlled in areas of their life. Now, believers, I understand, believers cannot be possessed. Possession implies ownership. I understand that. And besides, I don't even like using the word. In fact, in the Greek New Testament, possession is not even, the word possession is not even uh, used. We ought to not use the word possession, technically, we should use the word demonize, to have a demon, to be vexed by an evil spirit. Because possession implies ownership, and Christians cannot be owned by demons. But Christians can have demons. I've spoken with thousands of believers who've had demons. 
who demons who spoke out of their mouths, looked through their eyes, used their body. That's right, controlled their body. Believers born again. Now it's it's important, it's critical to understand the tripart nature of man, the composition of humanity. We're made of body, soul, and spirit. The spirit nature of a man, of the spirit nature of a believer. That is, when they come to know Christ, when they surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the spirit nature is seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 2 is clearly points that out. So the spirit nature is in Christ. Now, can a demon go through Christ? Of course not. In the heavenly realms, no. In Colossians 3, it's reported, recorded that we are hidden in Christ, in God. So we're safe in the heavenly realms. We're in Christ but our body and our soul still roam this sinful planet. And we still cl- we're still clothed with sinful flesh, with a carnal mind that continually needs to be put to death, that continually needs to be nailed to the cross. We need to continually yield to the Holy Spirit, every area of our body and of our mind, carnal mind, to the perfecting work of the Holy Spirit of God. I understand this. But because there are areas of our lives that are not yielded to the Holy Spirit, they can be taken advantage of. And demons will take advantage. And demons will invade believers. And that's why there is a need for public deliverance. Because there are believers, and obviously we understand non-believers because they don't even have the Lord. They're already in the kingdom of darkness. We understand of course, they need the salvation, healing, and deliverance power of Jesus Christ. But believers also. The children of God. The Apostle Paul teaches that we should do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the house of the faith. So we have an opportunity, we have a responsibility, an obligation, a divine, sacred obligation to reach our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. Who are demonized. Who are being vexed and tormented and tortured by evil spirits. We need to convey the message of love, the message of hope, the message of power, the message of the rescuing work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. And we need to conduct public deliverance services. That's why so many people are suffering. Because the church for so long, for many, many generations, have avoided this issue, have avoided Dealing with demons. And such demons have been able to be aggressive. Generation after generation. After generation after generation. Nobody has come along to these precious families. And confronted them with the overcoming power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And cast demons out. So demons just pass down from generation after generation. And they still feel welcomed. Because the church is not doing They go to church every Sunday. They go to Wednesday night Bible studies. They go to prayer meetings. They go to various kinds of retreats and Christian conferences. But nobody ever deals with demons. Nobody dares to touch that subject. To tackle that issue. It's too controversial. That's hogwash. That's ridiculous. All you have to do is read the Bible. It's so very clear it's black or white Jesus dealt with demons in public and the reason is 
people need to be free. It affords those in attendance, public deliverance meetings, that is, affords those in attendance to be, to be free from demonic powers. That's a good thing. And this is a critical aspect that I want to spend a little bit of time on. As too often the ministry of casting out of evil spirits have been relegated to the back room of the church. And this is unacceptable, as people need to know there is a means to freedom. People need to know. I'm afraid there's, I mean, there is so much, so many other, there's five other elements I want to discuss. I don't know if I'm going to have the time to get through them all. Uh, real quickly, I'll just try to run down. Number six, through the public deliverance service that the body of Christ is given an opportunity to receive hands-on training and public instruction as they observe those who are ministering to the afflicted. And this is an absolute need to multiply this work so that many, many more might be equipped and trained to cast out demons. We need more workers, obviously. There's not many people casting out demons. There's just not. In, in, in the context of the world's population, what, there's six to seven billion people in the world. And seriously, how many people are actually casting out evil spirits? Think about it for a moment. That is another reason why we should conduct public deliverance services, so that the body of Christ can be given the opportunity to receive hands-on training. Number seven, ministering in a public setting affords the disciple an opportunity to draw from the diverse spiritual gifts of the body that is present. That's a given. If you have the body of Christ involved, you could draw from the various gifts that are present within the body. Number eight, an outcome of public deliverance meetings is that there's often great joy as people are healed and delivered. This is seen very clearly in public deliverance meetings that the evangelist Philip, for example, in Acts chapter 8 conducted, as it is recorded that after driving out demons in public, there was great joy in that city. Number nine, casting demons out in public brings praise to Jesus as everyone recognizes that only by his might we are able to free a soul. And this causes the disciple to praise his king. And number ten, though there are many other reasons to conduct public deliverance, but one major reason we ought to do so is because it follows the example of our Lord. Amen. <laughs> it's that simple. And that's the reason why I conduct public deliverances, because Jesus did. Now, the, the above ten reasons is good enough for me. To follow through in conducting public exorcisms, and with the Western Church in decline in many aspects, we need to dare to be different, to follow Jesus, so that souls might be free. The time is now. So let's take the deliverance ministry to the public. And that's why I'm doing this radio broadcast, my friends. My brothers and sisters in Christ, that is the reason why I'm doing this radio broadcast. And I'll be back with you tomorrow evening to discuss another deliverance-related related subject, topic, that needs to be explained. That's why I'm doing these radio broadcasts, because that's why the program is titled Deliverance. I need to get out there in the face of the listeners in an audible sense, to get out there and to confront people with the need, the necessity of conducting public deliverances. Given the opportunity 
to be free from evil spirits. And tonight you can be free. First and foremost, through salvation. Now, because of the cross, because of the blood that was shed, Jesus is able to save you. And the scripture says, if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Just simply cry out even now. You need to be born again, Jesus says. Jesus cares. He loves you so dearly. Just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Cleanse me. I repent. I turn from evil. And I trust in you and your cross, Jesus, to set me free. Now, if you pray that simple prayer, just simply email me at j at jbartlett.org. J-A-Y at jbartlett.org. Give me your mailing address, and I'll be sure to send you a free New Testament. And in the authority of Jesus Christ, every evil spirit that is listening to the sound of my voice, if you have no rights, then go. Simply leave. Now, in the authority of Jesus Christ, by the bloodstained cross of Jesus Christ, every evil spirit that's never been confronted, that has no rights, just go in the authority of Jesus, spirit of heaviness, off in Jesus' name. Let God's people go. I'm looking forward to hearing you tomorrow. We do this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.